Hey friends, this is Julia, your host of Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous, and welcome to this week's episode. Today, Melissa is back and we are talking a league of their own. A League of Their Own is the first movie I saw where I felt injustices existed within the female empowerment movement. In the montage, there's a scene where the ball goes off to the side and we see a group of Black people standing watching the game. One of the women picks up the ball. Dottie claps her glove as if to say, right here, throw me the ball. Instead, the woman throws the ball to Ellen Sue, who catches it and shakes her hand from the force of the ball thus highlighting the All-American Girls Baseball League excluded Black women from the club, but acknowledging that there was no shortage of talent amongst women. The significance of this scene didn't affect me as much as a child, but as I got older, it really impacted me and I cry every single time. I often think about whether or not the movie could have done more to address this, but then I realized that it was perfect. And whether or not the writers realize it, this really highlights the equality and equity issues within feminism. I don't typically make a top five or top 10 list because it's very difficult. I'm a mood television or movies watcher, which means I have to be in the mood for it in order to sit through it and enjoy it or not enjoy it. But this movie without fail, if somebody says, hey, let's watch a league of their own, I will never say no. And now here we go to the show. Alyssa, welcome back to the show. Hi, thanks. So today we're talking about A League of Their Own, which is, I I don't make top five lists ever because that's just too hard, but it was always in my rotation. Like that is a movie... This is a movie that I can quote. This is a movie that I have memorized. It drives my child crazy when I have things memorized. <laughs> I'm just like sort of like mouthing along. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm I'm just as bad. My kids, it drives my kids crazy. It drives one of my kids crazy. And then my yeah. other one finds a lot of entertainment out yeah. of it. Yeah. Because she's just like, how do you know so many movies? You're right. And I'm like, I don't really know. this one this one though baseball is the only sport that I can sit down and watch I know a lot of people say things like oh baseball's slow it's not as much fun blah blah um but both of my grandfathers were really into baseball and so a lot of like my um childhood memories spending time with them involved sitting around listening while <laughs> grandpa ed would have the game this is before they delayed television thank you justin timberlake and janet jackson for making that happen he would right. have the game on the tv but then he'd listen to the radio commentators because it synced up perfectly yes. you can't really do that now but that's that's like the best way to watch baseball because when you're listening to it on the radio they have to be more they're better storytellers because you can't see it. They have to, they ha- they're seeing it for you. Well, that, and then they have, they have to keep your interest. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like they have to keep you engaged in the game. And especially because baseball actually goes pretty fast. It's really funny when I hear people say that, that baseball is like slow and whatever, like 
things happen so quickly in Mm -hmm. baseball that if the commentator misses that and misses telling you that, then you're confused. You're just like, wait, what? It's got a hurry up and wait feel to it, right? So like when you're waiting for a pitcher to change out or if you're waiting for somebody to come up at bat or something happens, there's a lot of pausing. And I think that people, which is ironic because I do have actual attention issues. So I don't know why baseball is the one I can sit through. It's really funny that you, um, that you grew up with baseball like that because I kind of grew up similarly. My grandmother played on a co-ed team. Oh, fun. Do you remember the first time you watched a league of their own? Yeah. So I was like seven. I was like seven. Okay. And like, I, I didn't really there was just a lot of stuff that I didn't understand about it at seven. Right. Sure. Yeah. I understood the concept of it. I didn't understand the feminism. I didn't understand a lot of the nuances. I didn't understand just a lot, just a lot of it. Right. Mm-hmm. I also didn't know, or like, maybe I, not that I didn't know. It was just that it wasn't, I wasn't aware that like, like, wait a minute, there's no, there is no like professional girls baseball league. That's weird. And I remember asking about it and my grandma was just like, yeah, this is, you can see, watch, watch this movie. I don't, I wasn't old enough to see it in theaters because of the rating and my parents were very strict about ratings, but it used to play on TV quite a bit. And the, and so I would watch it on TV and I don't think I watched it fully in its entirety until I was an actual teenager and we got cable and I could actually see, oh, it's playing on TV. I can start from the beginning, but it was always, it's always one of the ones if it's on, I'm not turning it off. So, so I was aware of, you know, there weren't women on the teams. There weren't women in the staff, that kind of stuff. So I need to know who is your favorite character? Cause there's a cast, there's a team of nine, which first of all, Tay Leone, if for people who don't know, Tay Leone is in this movie. She doesn't have a speaking role, but she is a racing bell or whatever the hell they're called. <laughs> Yep, yep. But there's like a ton of um, stars in this movie. And then I'm like, is this person still around acting? Is this person still around acting? I'm digressing. Let's talk about your favorite character and then I'll tell you mine. <laughs> it is, it's such a loaded cast. It's such a loaded cast. I love it. I, I go back and forth. Okay. So I love Dottie. Mm-hmm. I, I, I identify with Dottie in a lot of ways because I'm the older child I'm the oldest child and so like I and I have one sister Mm -hmm. I also really love Evelyn oh my god Evelyn 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 the kid ate the lineup the kid ate the lineup sorry Josephine I'm like so I'm shouting so now my dog's like getting like comforting me mom as a mom who has had to bring her child to work with her I just really love yeah stool angel stool angel I hate her child her parenting is not great however oh my god that kid I wanted to flick that kid in the nose every time I've seen this movie I'm just like god I just want like that with you I think it's I think it's very like on point with the way parents were in the, during the world war II era, you know, dad's hands off. My husband says that I have to take him with me and I just need to shut up about, because he's too busy reading the one ad. So I just need to do it and shut up about it. So can I, and then Tom Hanks is like, can you what bring him and, you know, bring him on 
whatever. And I'm just like, that's so, that's such a World War II era parent situation. Like, that would not, ha- well, I mean, it might happen. But, now, but, but, like- but actually, like, so, but let's go into that, though, because that would happen now. And that's something that has to happen now often. Women often have to bring their children to work. Yeah. So, and like we said before, no, I mean, it, I'm, is- I meant in the sense of like the husband being like, I'm not fucking, oh. I'm, I'm lazy as shit doing nothing literally. And now, and you, you still, even though you're the one working, earning money, you, you still have to take the child. I'm not bothered with him. That's what I meant. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, for sure. Because he would definitely get chastised at this point in time. Yeah. Like, for that. Like, fucking step up and help with your kid. Your wife's working. You're not. Don't be that like, guy. Like, sir excuse me yeah yeah, so I think that I think that my favorites are uh are Dottie and and Evelyn I really (laughs) I really love those two characters I really love Evelyn every time like Rosie O'Donnell does something she's like she reminds me of my husband (laughs) my god and I I just love Rosie O'Donnell in general as an act like just as an actor I love her as an actor yeah um like you I related to Dottie in the early in my earlier years because <laughs> she's so naturally talented at baseball well softball prior to them coming over and she's right. tall and beautiful and elegant and just very has this great demeanor not that I'm saying I'm those things but in previous episodes I have mentioned that there is a level of protection that I have because I've always been like the prettiest one in the room so there's certain types of racism that I don't have to deal with and and so the way that everyone sort of fawns over Dottie I I have that experience in my life so I could relate to her in that way and then sort of she dials it back a lot you know she's always saying things like oh no Bill and I want to have kids we want to have kids you know I I don't I'm just this is just a job for me kind of shit but you know that's not true for her she's just trying not to lean into all the things that people are putting on her or really what she wants because of the era and then as I got older and my life took all the turns it took I'm like this last time so I watched it last weekend this last time I was like, fuck, I feel Kit's pain so bad. I feel like I've outgrown this city I live in. I feel stifled by so many things. It, I feel like my current job, it, while I definitely earned it, my resume and my portfolio prove that I can do this job and I have done this job well. And so there's all these little things that Kit just feels so like, everybody loves Dottie. Nobody's paying attention to me. And she's not being a brat about it. She's just feeling left out. Like when she says to Dottie, haven't you ever heard how mom and dad introduce us? Here's our Dottie or here's our daughter, Dottie. Mm -hmm. Here's our other daughter, Dottie's sister. And, and I, even though I'm not like really introduced that way, I, but her desire to like get out. And then at the end of the movie, when she gets this opportunity to stay and play again, and she takes it, you know, Dottie's not going to discredit her for that because she sees that her sister struggles at home and she's not going to hold her back, but she had no other option, no other way to help her other than getting her on, on the train. Right. So I've I, evolved long story short, I've evolved. So like for me, when I'm watching, when I'm watching Kit and Dottie's interaction, I want to validate, I, I like, I validate what she's saying, right? Like I hear those things. I've, mm-hmm. I've experienced that type of issue like similar issues with me and my sister because of our age difference and because of how um 
just how we've been treated in the past okay what is your age difference with you and your sister me and my sister are six years apart Um, okay my my sister and I are five years apart with a league of their own I think Penny Marshall captures that generation so well because it's showing like but then Kit isn't allowed to explore anything because she's not wrong yeah it's not wrong right and And Dottie's the hurdle so she's just gonna go that direction but no one's gonna say Dottie's not the hurdle because no one's um evolved enough to do that (laughs) yes yes exactly and that's just it's it makes me sad to just just to see that type of relationship just played out it like it just hits me in my heart because I remember when me and my sister had those issues yeah and like I remember I like I get treated differently because my dad is a different person. The movie is more than iconic if we're going to really go there. Um, So I actually read a book uh, recently called The Bells of Baseball. And it literally just talks about the, it was the historical chronicalization. It was the chronicalization of the all American girls baseball league. And it was, it was, it was okay in terms of like the way it was written. However, it was very informative. And so I didn't know. So, you know, how in the movie it's, um, Gary Marshall and he's, you know, Mr. Harvey of Harvey bars. Yes. So the original all American girls baseball league was created by Philip K. Wrigley, who is a Chicago Cubs owner. Wrigley Field is named after him. And he also, you know, Wrigley gum, (laughs) double the flavor, double the fun. Um, and so he actually established the, I mean, in, in, in the movie, it's, it's not, he, they're not off in the movie. He starts the, he establishes the league because the men are at baseball and there's, you know, all these things and he wants to have like this pastime and, and bring joy to, to the community. But he also like, doesn't want baseball to die, but he actually established it as a softball league first. Okay. And then every season they modified a little differently because they were still sort of learning how to do this. Um, and so Rockford peaches was 100% a real team, which I knew, but I didn't know, you know, and Mm -hmm. so, and so was racine racine was an actual team in there. Um, but it was, what was interesting to me when in reading this book is that most of the players that they recruited were between the ages of late, you know, like 15 to 20. Oh. And I thought so, so they were young. So they were young. So when I'm watching this whole my whole life, I'm watching a league of their own, sort of my whole life. I mean, I was a child when it came out, but still. Right. Um, I always assumed that Dottie was maybe like 20, 22, and Kit was maybe like a handful of years younger than her. So reading this, I was like, oh, that's completely realistic now, knowing knowing what I know after reading this book, like that that tracks that they would be so young. And because, and a lot of them came from farms and I was like, oh, I love that Penny Marshall. You're so good. Cause you totally recruited farm girls and totally had it parallel the real story as much as you could. And for the beginning of the movie, and I just love you for it. <laughs> it was well done. They are like the research was very obviously there, yeah. um, which I always appreciate in any, in any sport movie, like please mm-hmm. do your research please do your damn research don't, yeah. don't make up some cockamamie story about a team 
like why why are we stop please stop stop doing it even down to the uniforms i mean in the pictures and those are the exact uniforms they were in real life too and i thought that was really cool how they paid homage to in that way what was your favorite scene in the movie okay so we were just talking about it me and josh just got it i was just like okay i'm so excited about this so my favorite scene in the movie is after Dottie tells Tom Hanks to take her out, to take uh-huh. Kit out of the game. Okay. And Dottie throws the big temper tantrum and Tom Hanks. Or Kit throws the. Or Kit, sorry. Kit throws the big temper tantrum and yeah. starts to fight with Rose, with Rosie O'Donnell and just all of it happens. And then he grabs her and throws her in the shower. Yeah. I love that scene. I suppose I would understand if people didn't like that scene because of just, you know, he just grabs her and throws her in the shower and, you know, it seems like a very like toxic male abusive thing. Right. I, I didn't take that in that way. Um, especially because I was a coach at one point in time and that's a super realistic scene. And that's how he would have treated any other ball player. Yeah. Male, female doesn't matter. Like yeah. you are starting a fight within your team. You know, we're handling this now. I'm going to throw your ass in the shower. Yeah. And I just, lo- I loved everything about it. Um, and how he just, I feel like at that moment, he was full on their coach. Mm-hmm. He was handling his team mm-hmm. and that and I feel like that was such a pivotal point in the movie that that's yeah for sure one yeah. of my favorite one of my favorite ones yeah what about you I have two actually when they go to the Suds house <laughs> and they do all the dancing and then you know Dottie's like hey, hey we're gonna get in trouble like we gotta get out of here did Marla come and they're like she came she's on stage singing and the musicians are just the musicians are just crying because she's so bad and it's just like it's such a great scene but that whole bit is such a great scene because the dancing is amazing and just the vibe just feels so good um so I love that scene and then the other scene that I really love and I and it gets me every time is the scene where somebody the ball it's like after it's like during the montage bit and the ball rolls away and there's some people there's some black folks standing off to the side and then woman picks up the ball and Dottie's like right here right here and she's like I got this and throws it to the um former Miss America or whatever she was and like then she's like shaking her hand out because it was so hard and I love and I just again Penny Marshall you're a genius and I hope that you're making amazing movies in heaven because we sure as shit miss you it was such a powerful way to demonstrate without having a pedestal or a soapbox or any sort of like speech, because sometimes that shit gets on my nerves and isn't realistic historically to show that there is a subsect of women who were not allowed to be involved. So like everyone's Americana during World War II, right? But in this moment, here's this group of women who isn't short on talent, but they weren't allowed to be involved. And when I did the math after reading the book, I was like, shit, like, and I've always felt that could have been my grandma. My grandma didn't play baseball, but the connection is like, it was her husband that watched baseball with me when I was a child. My grandma was that age. This is 1943. My grandma would have been 18 years old, 18, 17. 
whatever, she would have been age appropriate to have been recruited had she, you know, had the opportunity to be. So then it, when I did the math, like 20 years ago, it really hit like that scene really became impactful for me because it was like, that's, it's no longer, that's my people. It's now that's my granny. (laughs) That's my granny being left out. And you know that like, if we were in that era, if we were in that time era, we totally wouldn't have been able to play either. Mm -hmm. And that's just hurtful. Another one of my favorite scenes, like, this is my only, like the only other one that I really wanted to talk about, um, was Shirley. Shirley's scene when they find out that she's illiterate and she can't figure out if she's on the list yeah and she's just standing there yeah. and she can't tell like you can't no tell idea. people you yeah. can't tell people that you are illiterate right it becomes at some point in time it becomes something that you no longer can tell people yeah um it's not socially acceptable and they start they, they think- start you know. I think I think in that era, though, during the World War II era, the um, greatest generation of our time, it, it was it was more common to be illiterate than not. Most of my my relatives in that era did not pass, did not go beyond eighth grade, or or if they were lucky that they went through eighth right. grade. But I think to your point, what was great about that scene and learning that they really did heavily recruit from far, you know, farming communities. From That's farms, so right. typical in a farming community, you know, the schools, the school year structured to accommodate crop season. <laughs> you know, we don't go to school September to May just because we want to, and it's fun. It's because shit's starting to grow and you have to pick it and you have to do stuff for it. So you can't be yeah. in school pulling the kids out to do that. When, when the coach in that scene was like, are you, are you on the list or not? Right. Oh, I'm sorry. You're on the cut list. Get you have well, to leave the field. And it's like, to him, no. To him, he wouldn't even think that any of them were illiterate because he is a man, and it mm. would not be socially acceptable for one of for anyone any man to be illiterate, and especially to have a job as a coach, right? And so, mm. to him, he didn't even think that any of these girls might not have the knowledge to be able to read their name on a damn list and it mm-hmm. took another another female to stand up and be like oh honey you can't read mm-hmm. it's okay like it's not we're good Let and that actress you. and that actress plays Helen Hunt's sister on Mad About You <laughs> the one who comes up and says can you read honey yeah <laughs> Shirley Baker <laughs> oh Shirley yep. Baker you're one of us you're a peach come on over <laughs> I just love that. And when I read, when I saw that scene this morning, it just like it, that one really made me cry Yeah. Um, because like, I, I like, I like history. I like, I like a lot of Renaissance history and stuff. And that's just something that's so consistent in patriarchy is mm-hmm. keeping women so uneducated that we just, can't succeed mm-hmm. not just was- either you know my we we suspect that my grandfather probably didn't read yeah you know he only ever had he only ever worked on a railroad and you know really manual jobs right and I remember when we'd give him birthday cards he'd open it hand it to granny and she'd read it for him you know I never he'd sit in front of the paper but I don't know right. if that was for show or if he was actually reading I don't know when when they had cable, I think 
I don't know. I think she put the channels on for after cable started doing a guide channel because they didn't always have a guide channel. But when right. people started having a guide channel, I think she either he had memorized what channels and what time everything was on or she would put it on for him. Yeah. He was born in 1916, so he would have been an appropriate it age for that era. Too. Appropriate. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. But just um, just whenever I see that anywhere in mm-hmm. any time era movie, when I see the with the withholding of education, the withholding of literacy mm-hmm. itself is just, oh, that, that hurts me. That, like, yeah. that Read- just kills me. Reading is freedom. Do you have a favorite quote from the movie? Cause you know, the most famous quote is there's no crying in baseball. And I like, I want to ask these people half the time. Do you even know where that came from? I love the no crying in baseball. I, first of all, I don't know why that's like the, why that's the most quoted one. I don't really Cause no. it's like, are you crying? Are you crying? She's right? crying. There's like, no crying in baseball. And she's, I'm so sorry. Oh, I don't you know, know what? Okay. Hang on. You know what? You know what my favorite quote is? It's right after that scene yeah. where he gets thrown out. Yeah. When he like, calls, and when he calls the umpire, that when he tells the umpire that he looks like a penis with a hat on. First of all, that's hilarious. Yeah. That's funny. Like, I love you're out of here. here, right? And I love it's it's just um I just like that little what they all say. They're just like, good, get him out. Yeah. That's where you go back to where you belong. Yeah, they're like, all clapping and pointing. They're all clapping the and yeah, pointing in it. Going back that's to my, the... that's my favorite. Those are my favorite quotes. I'm just like, yep, go back to where you belong. Being rude. Get the fuck out of here. So my quote also includes Jimmy Dugan played by John <laughs> Hanks when the kids come up to him and they're like collecting stuff for salvage for the cause. Cause it's everybody's rationing and they're oh like, my, God. my baseball. And he's like, he signs it and the kid reads it. Avoid the clap. Jimmy Dugan. Cool. And then, the, and then as they're running away, he's like, that's good advice. <laughs> I don't get it and then when you get it you know and then freshman year comes and I have to take a sex health class and I'm like oh shit that line well not in class do I realize that that line's funny but then you know the next time I see the movie and I'm like oh my gosh that's so funny I want to know what you love about the movie because you keep coming back to it I keep coming back to it like I said it's gonna be in my rotation probably until I die so we were talking earlier and like we both love you know we both love um sports movies so Mm -hmm. I think that's part like just that in general and I know that's such like a generalized thing to say but like I just love sports movies and because I love sports movies that's partially why I like it it did a good portrayal of a time in sports history Mm -hmm. you know that isn't well known isn't talked about very much unless you watch a league of their like there's not really they did unveil in um, Cooperstown in 1988 I thought that was interesting because, you know, at the end of the movie, they're like, oh, they're all gathering to be unveiled in Cooperstown. Yeah. And I think it's 1992 that the movie was released. Yeah. But in 19, but 1988 is when they did the unveiling in Cooperstown, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. And so, like, I just think that it's, like I said, it's just not a very super talked about point of time in sports history. Um, and I, it's a funny movie. It's so funny. Everything about, like, it has me rolling in so many different ways like rosie o'donnell is hilarious yeah she's hilarious it's- madonna is hilarious madonna is hilarious when she's having shirley read 
the porn <laughs> in the back. Oh my god! I was just like, oh my god! I didn't realize that's what that was until that's, now. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, that's um so funny. The blonde gal that you love that you said earlier, I forget her yeah. name now. Surely, mm, um, May, what is she reading? Who cares? She's read- reading. That's all that matters. Mind your business. <laughs> oh, look, and it gets better. It gets better. Look at here. And then she yeah. reads it for her, like, to get her. Th- oh, my God. It yeah. was. Yeah, I. So, yeah, I like, um, I like, I like watching the friendship. I like watching the mm-hmm. teamwork between, like, it's so different watching a female team and the female team dynamic versus a male team dynamic. Mm-hmm. So different. It's yeah. such a different psychology. It's so different to watch a, a man in this time era coaching a female team, which mm-hmm. there weren't very many of in general in any sport. There weren't very many female teams with shit like yeah um so yeah I just I love love everything about that they I one of one of the things for me I, I mean obviously I'm a Penny Marshall uh, like Penny Marshall you're amazing I've said it right. multiple times already today but she has a way of being a storyteller that's a timeless so even though it's a very specific time period in our his, nation's history there are still themes that are relevant today that work and, and, and haven't really moved much, which I think is really smart and forward thinking. And I don't know if she was intentionally being forward thinking about it. And so you have like that sister dynamic between Dottie and Kit, like that sister tension, as long as sisters exist on the planet is always going to be present. And, um, you know, Jimmy Dugan's character, he's an alcoholic, he's got issues, you know, there's always going to be people who can relate and identify with him. Dottie choosing her husband over her career or, you know, kind of doing all this back and forth stuff. That's a universal theme still in 2021. And I think that just because this movie takes place in 1943, it's still so relevant today and it's beautifully done. And like you say, it's well-written. The comedy is gold because they're it's smart humor and not bathroom humor and so smart humor lives way longer than bathroom humor does it's just so beautiful so as i'm re-watching this movie and as i'm watching reading this book the bells of baseball i'm you know i'm learning so much in 1883 august of 1883 the young ladies baseball club was developed but that didn't last very long in 1922 lizzie murphy played in an exhibition game with american league and new england all-stars against the boston red sox and it's the first time a woman has ever played in a major league baseball club in history she retired at 41 and is known as the queen of baseball which i thought was funny because dotty's nickname in the movie is the queen of diamonds yep Vassar, Smith, and Wellesley all had female baseball teams. Vassar's was established in 1866, Smith was 1879, and Wellesley was 1897. 1867, the Dolly Vardens formed in Philly. It was an an all-African-American women's team becoming the first professional baseball club. Wouldn't it be so cool to do a limited series or like a very, like a three, because so there's 12 years of American baseball league for girls um do a, a four series show and it encompasses each season each season encompasses three seasons of the Ooh. of the league and it goes through all the development because you know at first they didn't have the women throw overhand they still had them do underhand and then Wrigley was like well we got to try and make it feel more like baseball baseball and so he made 
changes every season to make it feel more like baseball baseball and so by like the third or fourth season the polished clubs that we see in a league of their own really were my understanding from reading this book were really more like seasons three and four of their of their existence oh okay that makes a lot more sense so it'd be really, really cool if somebody could pick, I oh, fuck, I'll write it, pick it up and develop it and really get into the nitty gritty because there were so many, like, it's not a very long book. It was only 112 pages. And then he goes into highlighting the different famous women of that era for those yeah. teams. But it would just be really interesting to get into the nitty gritty of the culture of the time, you know, baseball, how it's evolving for women and just how it was able to survive for 12 seasons. Like I would be, I would watch the shit out of that kind of show, especially if it was as well done as Penny Marshall did a league of their own. Right, right. That would be really fun. But here's my caveat. So, you know, my favorite scene is, like I said, is the one where the black ladies like throwing the ball and everyone's like, oh my God, my hand hurts. I, I struggle when movies that encompass like black history have these big grandiose speeches because there's gotta be, you have more than words demonstrate things through imagery because it's not exactly historically accurate we all didn't stand up and give a speech to make it better because you know there's this sad little component of our history where it's like that's gonna get you lynched so you're gonna stay quiet and that's why it's so important and so impactful that the people who did stand up and fight like that's why it's so meaningful because they were the only ones right like right they were leading the the brigade to stand up and fight they weren't it wasn't just like having been the only brown person in the room I'm not giving speeches if I'm outnumbered and I don't know that there's an ally in here because nope. that's that's a that's a suicide mission and I'm not I do, I have the energy for that today. And so I struggle with Hollywood when they do stuff like that. I totally agree with you and identify with what you just said of like, if I'm in a group of white people, like I'm not going to give a speech, not going to do that. Even if I know that I have an ally, even if I do, I'm probably not going to, I'm not going to, because I'm just going to get argued with somehow in some way I will and then what I have to have an ally there I have to have an ally there to be comfortable no I don't have to have an, an ally there to be comfortable I have to have an ally there to speak up for me and to provide validation as a white person to the rest of the white people because they will not take what I say mm-hmm. with validation but they will take what I say from another person that looks like them and that will be valid and in, but in addition to that, there's retaliation. So if I'm the only one in the room that says, hey, that yes. joke's not funny and here's why, then there's going to be retaliation and right. it's going to be subtle, passive aggressive comments. So it's not just, and that's why I have a hurdle with this type of showmanship in movies, because once you have this grandiose speech that doesn't stop this shit from happening, it has a ripple effect. So now mm-hmm. I've stood up and had a speech about something and now I'm getting treated like shit. Well, I'm getting, I'm getting passive aggressive comments. I'm getting people saying things to me and now I'm working and now I'm in an environment that's not comfortable anymore. And I don't really want to be a part of, and I'm dreading. So like Hollywood recognize and understand that because there's a backlash to that. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have people stand up and speak the truth and help people understand 
and do these speeches. I'm just saying it doesn't stop there. And that's why the imagery of that scene in a league of their own is so powerful because it's showing without a speech, without saying anything. And it's perfectly fits within the context of the film because the movie's all about loads of female themes in the, in the film. But what's obviously missing is black representation. And that's because it's the 1940s. Right. (laughs) And so Penny Marshall can't bring somebody in to give a speech about how, why aren't there black people on the all American girls baseball league? Because it's 1943. She can show this isn't, this is a component of this narrative that wasn't allowed to exist. So we're still going to acknowledge that that there was no short of talent in the black community to be a part of this. For sure. And like, I will even go so far as to say that like, at some point, like sometimes when I see a speech like that, like in my head, I'm like, I, I wish that we could say something like that. I wish that we could speak up like that and, and do that. And then like, and not have the retaliation and not have the retaliation and not have the the negative um side effects that come with that right yeah and like i've told so my one of my best friends is is very white she's me and her she's my best friend and i've told her before if i if i were honest with all of us with our whole group of friends about things that I was really offended by or things that like made me kind of uncomfortable or topics that we've talked about I wouldn't have friends anymore. Mm -hmm. And so that just kind of comes with the package of sometimes I feel like it just kind of comes with the package of like having to sit in my uncomfortability to be able to retain certain friendships Mm -hmm. or at least it felt like that for a long time. And like, it doesn't feel like that anymore because I've gotten rid of friends that make me feel that way. Mm -hmm. And now I'm able to have these conversations. Like I told Steph that, and she was like, I had no fucking idea. Yeah. I had no idea. I thought that because you were joking with us and because like you were laughing with us and being part of the conversation, I thought that it was, I thought that everything was okay. There's this thing, right? We all understand Rosie the Riveter, get out of the kitchen, do your part for America. But that concept didn't start in World War II. That concept yeah. started in World War I. And there was a very small percentage of women after World War I who were like, fuck that shit. I'm still going to keep doing what I'm doing. Po- you know, post-war. He's like, I don't want to go back. Um, right. I'm actually reading a book series about a woman who served in World War One, and then it's fiction. It's a historical fiction. And then I love you know, she, historical fiction. I do too when it's researched well. Um, and uh, then she goes and then she kind of creates her own business and you know all these things. So and 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 then World War Two hits and it's a really big push of like girl power, get out there, do your part. You're doing the job. We need you because the men are fighting, yada, 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 yada. Right. So the tone is very much girl power in the movie, but it's also very, and we kind of touched on this already with the scene, one of my favorite scenes it's, but it's, we know it's very specifically white. So when we talk about, you know, the differences when it comes to being mixed, you know, when you're, when you're black and white mixed or mixed with white, there's this level of what I'm learning from this online community. I found, you know, there's this level of like, it's, it's not as stark when something is all white because you have a side of your family that's all white. So, so with you, I wonder watching a league of their own, like, was that super, was that a thing? Cause you know, we're all to rock representation, blah, blah. Right. Cause like for me, I'm seeing a league of their own and I'm not thinking anything 
as a child, I'm not thinking, oh, this is a white woman's movie. And then when I start to put, get older and start to put the pieces together, I'm like, this is 100% a white person's movie, but I love it. And I'm okay with it. And I'm here for it because Penny Marshall doesn't, you know, she doesn't leave out the black girls, but you know, it's not about them um, kind of stuff. So if, if that made any sense at all. Yeah. That would be a different movie. Yeah. I've always had a little bit of white in me. Okay. But I never I've never identified as white because I'm not white, right? Because the one drop rule. If you're one drop of anything else, you cannot be white. That's I mean, yes, and rule. you know, my technically my mom's Italian, but you know, there's still a level of she's like a white she's like a white Italian. So there's a there's a level there that even right. though we had the Italian culture influence our lives, she's still walking through the world as a very pale woman. Right. And so for for me, like I grew up in this like my grandpa's from Tennessee. He was okay. from Tennessee. Like he was super Southern. He had a super thick accent. Like, oh, so, okay. So just, I was coming into this conversation under the impression that you didn't have any white lineage at all. I do. So I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. And so, but I want to tell I need to tell you about this because it's real interesting. So I came from this weird dynamic because my grandfather brought my, my grandfather uh, met my grandmother in the Korean War. That's okay. Pretty common. Pretty very, common. It's very common. He would just always tell me about our role, about our family's role, my white family's role in civil rights movement and how we need to keep that going. Mm-hmm. That needs to continue happening. Right. And it was really important for him, t- for me to understand that my, my great uncle or great, great uncle or something like that uh, was the judge for the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. Okay. And so he just perpetuated that for my whole life of you don't have, you don't have, uh, you might not look the same. You might not be white, but you have that in you. You have that part of that's, that's in you and you have an ally just in your soul. Mm -hmm. And so you, you have to keep this that type of thing going. You have to continue that type of research. You have, we have to continue being on the side of everyone and making sure that everyone does have the same type of rights and that they're not treated differently in that and all of these things. And so uh, I feel very fortunate that that's, that I had that experience and that I had that type of upbringing Um, because it could have been very different. Mm -hmm. And I think that it would have been, it could have been harmful in a way to feel to feel like I want to be white or feel like I want to assimilate into a white culture because I feel othered just because I like. So when I say that, I mean, when I make that statement, it's because when you have like a white family and then the minority family, you're going back and forth between the two, yeah. the way the families function are very different. So because you're constantly othered, it's like, and you, you, it's not lost on you that your white relatives have it easier in life for certain things. So when, and I, I can't speak for everybody in, in the mixed community, but online, when, when these sort of like, there was a TikTok challenge where it was like, put your finger down situation, if ever these things. And one of the things was, if you ever wanted to be white, put your finger down. And the girls did. And, you know, they're lighter skinned black women. Yeah. And, and so the comment section just exploded on them about like, I don't, I never wanted to be white. That 
kind of narrative. And it was like, okay, but when you have the duality of having to go from white culture to black culture regularly in your life, it is a thing because you, you recognize and notice they've got it a little bit easier Right. I've said this multiple times and I will say this until the day I die. There are certain levels of racism that I was protected from because I was always the prettiest one in the room. How, having said that, there's still things that my cousins are able to navigate in the world differently. It's not like I never felt like it was a harmful or damaging to myself, but I can, but it's, it's, it's frustrating because you see it's, it's like, it's like taking the red pill, man, in, in the matrix, you see you're seeing both sides and you're part of what you're part of both sides, but you're not allowed to be fully both sides. And that's, that's the point that I'm trying to make. It's, it's just a little different because like, I would see how my, my Mexican family members were treated, mm-hmm. right? I would see how my Asian family members that, that present much more Asian looking than me, how they were treated. And I always felt in a weird place because sometimes I would get treatment like that, but sometimes I wouldn't just because mm-hmm. people won't know what I am. But I didn't have, but I didn't have what you, which was seeing like the other side, which was, I didn't have a lot of white family members. I only had my white grandfather. And so I just didn't have that in particular, but I had it kind of with all, I had a weird variation of it with the rest of them because sometimes I would be like, I wish I was, I, like, maybe I wish that I was Mexican enough, like, or Mex- more Mexican presenting, or, like, that I spoke Spanish, or things like that. Sometimes I would wish that, like, I was more Korean, and that I was fully Korean, you know, just things like that. I would definitely feel that way about my different cultures, and so I totally understand where you're coming from with that. It wasn't ever because they were, tr- they were treated, but, like, we all got all of my cultures get treated like shit. I think too, as I got older, it was like, man, being monoracial must be nice. At least they'd know what to do with me. <laughs> At least it would be flipping consistent, man. So part of the reason why I would like to see a series, like a four season series, is because I'd like to see that exploration of um, Black stories. And yeah. you know, were there women who wanted to come in audition? Audition. Were there women who wanted to come in and try out who were in the black community? Like, were there, can you tell us their background? It was basically an audition. Yeah. It, I mean, that was, oh my God. I love the scene when they, when they reveal all of this, the dresses and oh my God. And then the prep yeah. school and all of, oh my God. It was so great. Loved everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, charm school for, for women wasn't that uncommon. You know, Barry Gordy did that for his girl groups and, and the guys too, um, with the Motown era. Cause you know, he wanted a very specific look for his sound. So he put all of them through, through school as well before going out on tour and doing performances. And so that's very, very much that era. Um, but that's, you know, I would love to see There's so many ways that you can angle by doing a four season breakdown of the 12 seasons in which this institution existed. There's so many different ways you can explore it and so many different storytelling techniques that could happen that I would love to see somebody try. And it would require a diverse writer's room to make it happen. So that way could have the different angles coming in to, to tell this bigger, more robust story. Cause I think a league of their own just scratches the surface. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. 
in the movie because it's 1943 there's all kinds of fucking sexism left and right but it's a necessary tool to highlight because it, that's the 1943 we have television and movies to show that this is how women were treated it's not just penny marshall's imagination <laughs> nope it was a real thing there's a point where the gals are like running to catch the train and john lovett's character leans to look out the window but there's a woman sitting in a chair there and she's like sir your knee and he's like you like that no she doesn't like it no she doesn't like it like how dare you take agency of her space like no or when mrs cuthbert uh mrs cuthbert cuthbert i don't remember right now yeah the chaperone the chaperone okay uh when she wake when she's going to wake him up and he's like passed out on oh, yeah. and he kisses her yeah so forcefully like he grabs her she's so like, what is it? and he even he says what is it baby and then pulls her in yeah. like what? and then and then he has the audacity he's the one that's offended yeah he was totally offended he was so and offended. she's just sitting in the corner of the of the of, their, of her row of seats just like terrified about what just happened and also she had just gotten dirt thrown in her face by the by bus the, driver by the bus driver like he literally picked up a handful of dirt and threw it in her face and then mm-hmm. she gets actually assaulted on the bus perfectly normal behavior for perfectly 1943 <sighs> oh my god it's so terrible yeah so i know we talked about it earlier but pitch the tv show fox 40 so for those of you listening fox 40 not fox 40 that's my local (laughs) but the network fox had um their entertainment side listeners had developed a tv show called pitch it had mark paul gosler in it it had um kelly ripa's husband whose name i'm forgetting and then there was a gal and the premise of the show was that this woman young woman is the very first woman to be drafted as a pitcher in the major league baseball for the san diego padres so first of all yes thank you because i love i love going to petco park so and i just love being in san diego so thank you for picking them but she's a woman of she's a black woman so it's not just a woman it's a black woman so it feels very much like thank you because we can't talk you know we haven't explored that for in a league of their own it's not explored and there's not yeah. really any female centric baseball movies since then i watched i watched i was so upset when they canceled it because i thought it was a little rough but I thought there was a lot of potential of what they could do and where they could go. So I was really disappointed to see that it got canceled. Okay. I have everything in its first season. Sorry. One more thought. Everything in its first season is a little rough. Everything. Any good, anything has a rough first season, right? Especially for network television, because you don't have the same type of, you have a different structure that you're following under because you have different rules you're playing by. Like Netflix does not have the same, like it's a subscription yeah. base, so it's a little different. Anyway, but continue. So let's talk about pitch. <laughs> but so I, I thought it was yeah, it was a little rough here and there. The format was a little bit like the actual editing of it mm-hmm. was a little bit um, a little bit choppy. Okay. But I like, but I kind of liked it because it. I don't know. I just liked it. I liked the whole fucking thing. Honestly, I loved the shit out of every single part of it. I loved every character. I loved her. I loved the coach. 
I loved the one the one guy that she ends up befriending that yeah. ends up sleeping with her uh, with her agent. I love her agent. Yeah. Oh my god, I love her so much. She gives me so much boss babe vibes that I just love her so much. So I I appreciated that Mark Paul Gossler's character is the older ball player. He's had a couple injuries. Yes. He he still has star power, but he doesn't have the same star power he did maybe ten years ago. And so so I loved that dynamic between like her and and him I loved the way that they did flashbacks so we got an understanding of her she's not just a complicated character to be complicated she really does have some trauma she's working through and baseball is her outlet but also could be her meal ticket at the same time and and I think I think that their storytelling technique was good it just they needed more time to get into the groove of what they were trying to do well they didn't even i feel like they didn't even give it a chance really they cut it halfway through the fucking season right like they cut it at a pivotal moment in the season in the actual story where like why would why would you cut it there like i just didn't i didn't understand that well that's not that's network tv if the numbers aren't there and they don't they don't count uh we were DVR numbers. So it, like um, 4 million people could be DVRing it, but if like 200,000 people are watching it live, it's still going to get cut, which is stupid. I don't understand why I don't, Tina Fey talked about it on an episode. Was it, a, she talked about it somewhere. I don't know if it was in her book or in an interview, but she talked about that specific thing because yeah. um, 30 Rock was having a hard time there for a minute. When she brought that up, it just kind of blew my mind because I was like, we, this isn't, this isn't life before a VCR. We right. have lives. I can't, or, or I can't stay up till fucking 10 o'clock at night to watch your hour long show. Let me record it and watch it on Saturday. <laughs> right. Like that should still, the watch should still count. The The view of, of the content should still count for something. Yeah. Right. I would love and to so- talk to somebody in the business about that. And like specifically in that part of the business of the numbers, because that I think would be an interesting for me. I don't know if anybody else would care, but I'm just so curious about I think that there have been so many shows that have been cut short and like, but pitch, I, I don't know. It had so much potential. It had so much represent. It had just a lot of representation, just in the fact that she was a black female pitcher Mm -hmm. who was going into the major league. Like, and, and they, they portrayed that like they, this is what it could look like if we started recruiting women. Like, this is what it could look like. Like, look at her fan base, look at her fucking fan base. And then it also, I love that it went, cause I watched it, uh, I watched it a couple of times actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved, uh, how they portrayed the pressure mm-hmm. of having that fan base. And like, the thing is we should, we should really, ident- or we should acknowledge that because it's been so long without this representation, right? That now whenever we get even just a drop of it, even just a a little bit of it, just one person in there representing, they're going to have so much fucking pressure through on them that we're basically setting them up to fail. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's, that is what happens with the lack of representation. And there's, there's, it's in, how do I put this? It's creating the support, right? So Jackie Robinson talked a lot about how there was a lot of pressure to be the first black uh, ball player in the major league baseball. And a lot of the advice he was given over the years was just like, you can't respond. You can't act aggressively. You can't do these things, but that's not support 
That's not, that's not helping him navigate. That's telling him you need to box yourself up so you can survive. So we can, you know, make this thing happen. Right. And I think that when one of the things that pitch could have done is explore that for her, you know, it, it's color is not an issue anymore in baseball, but now no. it's a, it's gender. So what kind of support is lacking? And we see that she doesn't have any support, but that could have been an area in which that they explored more in the sense of like, here's the support base. Like when she's, does she get, I'm trying to remember now. Cause it's been a minute since I've seen it. You know, there's a lot of like locker room situations like yes. what do we do with her in the locker room and, and stuff like that and so that could have been developed more because it is really it it is really an interesting conversation to have especially because I think at the same time there was a lot of conversations going on nationally about you know states and their use of bathrooms for the trans community there could have been an opportunity to discuss not necessarily specifically for the trans community, but just like navigating a locker room. Uh, like, are we going to build her her own locker room? Like, what are we going to do here? Kind of stuff that they right. could have explored deeper. And there's so much more of that, that, that could have been explored throughout the seasons. Cause you know, they go off to the Caribbean to play winter ball. A lot of these guys do, or some of them go to Japan to play in the off season. So there's, there was just so much room for growth that like you say, it got stunted. It was like, oh, I don't know if it was numbers driven. It was probably numbers driven. It's Fox. <laughs> I would have, I, I don't even know. I don't even know why it was canceled. I just know that they canceled it quite literally, quite literally, like at a pivotal time. Yeah. The last episode, it like, I remember, I remember when I watched it because I watched it on Hulu and I didn't, I had been watching it live. Right. And then mm -hmm. I, because I was a doula, like I would miss episodes here and there. And like, I just fell off. Right. And then a few years later, I saw that it was on Hulu and I was just like, oh, they have it on Hulu. I had no idea that it had gotten canceled. Mm. I had no idea anything of this nature. I just knew that it was on Hulu. So I started watching it and I got to, I think it's episode eight or episode seven. It's some random ass number mm -hmm. Got to episode seven and then it's done. What do you mean? It's done. What yeah. do you mean? Like it can't be done. There's, literally more story there's a part two to this episode right they ended it on a part one episode it's bullshit right like you can't leave us hanging like that i'm like i'm still so hey. offended fox i'm offended i'm offended by fox in general most of the time but like i'm real offended by this yeah if there were to be some sort of female-led centric baseball situation would you want to see it modern era or would you want to see it like in the way that they did Bridgerton colorblind casting, just kind of, so gender blind, I don't know if that's a thing, but you know, gender, not an issue. There's a major league baseball TV show that has all, you know, all representation, or would you rather see an expansion of diving deep in the history of the all, all American girls baseball league? I don't know. I think that they're both, I think that they're both two like really separate things, mm -hmm. right? Because like, if we were to, if you were to do a colorblind casting of like a historic piece, right, then it wouldn't be historically accurate. And I really hate things that aren't historically accurate. Mm -hmm. I, I can, I can vibe with Bridgerton because like we talk about on that episode, it's going into a, a theory, 
right? Mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. Ma- like, there's a yeah. theory that she could have been maybe part black, right? So what would that look like? In like, uh, to me, it's like an alternate reality mm-hmm. in my head, right? And so I think that if if I were to see, I, I would want it to be modern. If we were going to do colorblind cla- casting, yep, I want it right now. I want to mm-hmm. see it. 2021 2019 like somewhere around the 2000s um and see it that way kind of like the way that pitch was portrayed mm-hmm. um now i but that being said i would love to see a history just a cool history of female baseball mm-hmm. that would just be so fascinating to me be a lot of fun and i know like there's an episode of ken burns's baseball that's do they touch on it I don't know, but whatever. Loop in Ken Burns' research team because his 10-part series of baseball is hella fucking good. <laughs> right? Oh my God, that's funny. But still, you know, it could be, it could be really, it'd be really interesting. I think it could be really interesting and really impactful for yeah. um, a lot of people. I would love to see something like Pitch exist again because there's just like I said there's so much to explore and the world has changed so much since 2016 already that there would just be so many avenues related to baseball that we could do um and see represented and it was just so much fun baseball's the same game every time but you never it's a different it's different outcomes every time and that's what I love about it it's got all of this like ceremony to it oh my god in the office when Dwight's like talking about he talking about nostalgia or whatever I forget specifically what episode but he's like you know something about like this I can't I can do nostalgia's nostalgia is great look at baseball they've you know that sports boring or stupid or something like that and they've made a whole market out of nostalgia (laughs) you're not wrong Dwight You're not. You are not wrong. Not even a little bit. Thank you for coming back on the show. I had it oh, was I love being here. I'm so glad. And 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 I'm sure we'll have you on again. And I appreciate your time today. Yeah, no problem. Okay. All right. I'll see you next time. Okay. Bye.